Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and part two of our six-part Remembering Gilles de Ferrin feature. This time we have McLaren Racing CEO Zach Brown in charge of the McLaren Formula One team. Hired Gilles on two different stints. Really thankful to Zach for bringing us inside, especially the most recent participation in helping McLaren Racing turn itself around in Formula One, but really goes into depth here, gives Gilles all of the flowers he deserves, cracks open a lot of what he was doing, even through 2023, heading into 2024 was the plan that not a lot of folks knew about. This wasn't as forward-looking and public as his first stint helping in that capacity. So big thank you to Zach for all that he did share some insights here and really add many more layers to all of Gilles' amazing contributions to the sport. Our show, as always, is brought to you by FAF Technologies, next-generation composite engineering and manufacturing capabilities in the outskirts of Toronto, Canada. The Justice Brothers, makers of premium automotive chemicals and lubricants, and torontomotorsports.com, purveyors of wonderful motorsports memorabilia. So let's get going with Zach Brown, who joined us the tail end of a vacation, calling in from a very remote airport. Cell service was by no means perfect. Done our best to clean up the audio, share some great stories about Gilles. And also we know for sure in 2024, the McLaren team will be grieving. Zach, I know like so many, Gilles' loss was just a... uh, uh, a punch and a kick that none of us knew to expect before we get into some of the deeper meanings of contributions to McLaren racing and, and other more recent items. I'd love to know when, when and where the two of you met. Cause I have a feeling it was a long, long time ago before, uh, folks yeah. knew you running F1 teams and whatnot. Yeah, Jill and I go back to the kind of early 90s, back when I was racing in Europe. He was racing in Europe. He was a couple of years and a couple of seconds a lot faster uh, than, than, than me, uh, as he was most. Um, but he was obviously with the, uh, the great Paul Stewart racing uh, all throughout kind of his junior career, which was the racing team that we all aspired to race for, whether that was uh Voxel Opelotis, uh Formula Three, uh now it's Formula Two at the time, Formula Three Thousand. So I didn't know him really well then. He was um already kind of a, a superstar even in the junior ranks. The the guys that are winning and, and dominating like he was were always, you know, the guy you wish you could you could be so kind of he and David Coulthard were, were teammates and kind of grew up together racing. So that's kind of my earliest memories of Jill. I uh, got to know him in the nineties and then would say I really became friends with him in the, uh, in the two thousands. And then of course, um, worked with him in both formula one and IndyCar here in the more recent times. What was it, Zach? that drew you to him to engage with him more and become closer and closer. And I asked that 
because I think it's probably the same thing with everybody else. And that was, he's just such a warm and open and fascinating guy, not the typical racer where that's all he knew to talk about. He was just a, as multifaceted a person as possible. You as well. Racing's been the passion of your life, many of our lives, but you have deep interests that go beyond the racetrack. I'm guessing you guys connected on a lot of levels that weren't just about motor racing, but what was it that drew you to him more and more? Well, it was pretty much all about motor racing, but it was kind of different aspects of the racing. You know, when I was looking for some help in the Formula One team, I've always been a fan of uh, the smart racers. And not everyone's a smart racer. And just because you're a fast racing driver doesn't necessarily make you a, a smart racing driver. Uh, but but he, he was all the above. And what I really liked about kind of Gilles, he's very humble, very thoughtful, very good communicator, very technical, but also his background. You know, he raced. He raced Indy cars. He was around Formula One. He was sporting director um, with Honda in Formula One. He owned his own uh, IRL and sports car team. So he, he kind of look at the racing environment from the cockpit, outside the cockpit, as a team owner, as a sporting director. So he just had this vast experience. And in, in heart of it, what maybe people that don't realize who who don't know him that well was how technical he was and how much of a people person he was. Mm. And you can see why he really fit in well with a Penske type organization or how he was a leader and could carry with all due respect the Jim Hall or a Derek Walker's racing team, which were smaller racing teams competing against the big Penske organization. So it was kind of a, a combination of all that where I felt he could really help me when I kind of first brought him on board. And then a lot of people don't realize he was part of the vision of Extreme E with uh, Alejandro Gag. A lot of that was his idea of, of kind of electric racing and these various area, uh, racing areas. So he, he was quite a diverse thinker as well. And that's the the part I was keying in on was Jill was talking about the idea of doing some form of electric racing while he was still racing. And granted, this was his ALMS team and getting into that year of co-ownership with the Lusso Dragon side and an IndyCar and such. But I remember him talking about this back then and not in the formal sense of what we ended up with with formula e but just the hey you know we're getting into hybridization and there's some alternate fuels that are starting to emerge here with e85 and whatever but we need to go beyond that we don't have to do baby steps we could try one giant leap and go all electric and so but whether it was that future uh, mobility concepts whether it was his passion for food and cooking uh currency has really been a a big thing of interest of had been a thing of interest of his trying to start his own car company right wanted to you know create a deferrin that was not too far from a valkyrie or one of the the awesome models that 
y'all make at McLaren, uh, just a guy who saw so many things in life and really found great deep value in them. And what I loved, Zach, about your reaching out to Gilles to be part of McLaren early in your tenure there was the recognition that this is not a guy who can do one thing for us. This is a guy who can help. He's can be kind of sort of a master chef, right? Working in that kitchen, knowing all the right ingredients to use and the ones not to use, getting everybody there working in harmony. You talk to that side because you already mentioned it a little bit, but he is someone who indeed could sit down and talk with a Lando or an Oscar or whomever, and there's nothing they were going to tell him that he didn't know but he could then also go and either help translate that with someone smooth over something. If there's any friction here or there, just on a personal level, this guy to me seemed like just the, the perfect chef to bring into your, into your kitchen. Absolutely. And I'd even add Fernando Alonso to yeah. that list. And I bet there's not many people that can say they taught Fernando Alonso something about how to, how to drive. And he certainly, uh, he certainly did. And I, I think that was Jill's greatest strength was his adaptability, his uh, relationships with the racing team, his vision, and, and he was multidimensional. So when uh, I brought him in, you know, kind of the first time around, if you'd like in, in 2019, kind of helped me run the team. And it wasn't, very well defined initially. It was just, I need help. And he, he, he got stuck in and whether it was drivers or engineers or people management, he ended up kind of doing all the above. And then when we brought him back most recently, uh, you know, Andrea Stella is a massive fan of his and he hasn't kind of involved. He was very much, in the background, you didn't see him on pit wall this time around. Jill didn't have any ego. He wasn't, I want to be on the pit wall and I want to be seen. He just wanted to help. And so he worked with us on a lot of technology prod projects. I think a lot of people don't realize how technically savvy he, he was. So he would bring together various departments and make sure that they were all communicating and the left foot knows what the right foot's doing to get a thousand people in a formula one team all working in the same direction is not easy because everyone is kind of heads down in their own department. So he was kind of the glue between a lot of different parts of our organization and, and Andrea and myself would deploy them on various projects at various times. And it was very often, Andre and I would be sitting around and be like, how are we going to tackle this? And we look at each other and either Andre or I would say, Ooh, I bet Jill can help with this. Mm. And so he just had that vast experience and people loved working for him and with him. And he commanded a tremendous amount of respect and he never asked for it. I think with what's happened, the part that, almost kind of caught me by surprise, but it didn't was he was so humble. You know, you never heard him talk about when I won the Indy 500, when I won my two Indy car championships. So he, he just kind of blended in and was another guy in the team. And it was only after this happened that you see me 
the size of his impact and how many people around the world love Gilles de Ferrin. And, and you, you almost kind of forgot about what he'd accomplished mm. because he just wanted to kind of be in the moment. It was kind of irrelevant that he'd won the Indy 500 when you're sitting in a Formula One debrief and you're talking about a new technical challenge. And so it was a, it was amazing how humble he, he was for how much he accomplished. And it's only when I've sat back and now reflected here the last few days where everyone does you know, talk about him, but also reflect on his accomplishments that you go, man, this guy did a lot uh-huh. in motorsports. I'm with you on that, Zach. And that's, it's funny. Was fortunate to have been in and around in the cart era during his, when he arrived to all of his greatest successes was there a little bit when in the IRL days, a tiny amount uh, was there for the entirety of his ALMS team ownership and uh, IndyCar as well. And in the years that followed, I almost felt guilty anytime I would ring him to ask him a Gilles glory days, as you mentioned, type question. Uh, I think it was later stages of 2020 maybe 2021 got a request to do a magazine feature on his fontana still standing closed course lap record 241.428 miles per hour and it's just funny zach because it speaks to everything you're mentioning like bringing that up to jill was it was almost embarrassing for me at least because he was not that guy and no longer that guy. And it's not like he ever was pounding his chest saying, look at me, I'm awesome. But for him, that was a stage in his career. It helped set the stage for all the great things that followed. But nonetheless, to him, it was very much like a a beautiful chapter that had been dry cleaned and put in a nice covering and kind of put away in the closet. And asking him to go back and remember those things, which he would, because he was very graceful and kind, but asking him to do that was always akin to asking to someone to effectively, hey, could you tell me about a long ago version of yourself of whom you no longer really live in that headspace? And you and I both know, Zach, folks who show up every year at Monaco or Daytona or Indy or whatever, and the thing they did at those places that's the defining thing in their life. And they'll be showing up until their final moments in life to get that spotlight put on them for the time they won this big thing and whatnot. Man, <laughs> there's ever a guy who didn't give two farts about such a thing. It was Gilles. So, but to your point, uh, he did all those things, but you had to remind yourself after a while that he used to be that guy because he didn't carry that with him like it was who defined him just a beautiful part about who he was. Yeah. It, it, um, I don't know if regret's the right word, but I think when these things happen, you, you do kind of, uh, regret or wish I'd had conversations with him now about his career. Cause I'm such a fan of motor racing as, as, as we all know. And I love the history and I've seen Joe win a hundred races and I've seen him race a hundred times. And because we were always so busy, 
I, I never really had that chance to reflect on his career with him, and I would have liked to have done that now in in hindsight. I, you know, I, I think we would have eventually got around to it. And, of course, we spoke racing, and he wore his Indy 500 ring, and, you know, I did uh, joke around with him often. The running joke was every time I would introduce him, would say, you know, this guy's only won the Indy 500 one more time than me. <laughs> and uh, so, 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 so we did have some racer uh, jabbing uh, every once in a while. So we, we liked, uh, you know, he liked that, uh, you, know, I, you know, that little bit of humor. Um, but I never really kind of, I would have liked to have said what was it like to, you know, race Fittipaldi and Junior and Michael and, you know, who were you running in 3000? And, and I never really had those conversations with them. And I think I would have got around to it. Um, it was certainly something, as you mentioned, he was never going to put on the table. But the few times I did talk to him about stuff, he'd be very happy to talk about it. He just didn't put it on the table. You'd kind of have to tell him that was the conversation you were interested in having. And I'm, I'm bummed I didn't get to go as uh, deep in his career with some of my fanboy questions that I would have liked to. Remember during that interview for the Fontana 2001 poll, just listening enraptured Zach asking him to describe the laps and him talking about because he could do this. And this is again, one of the great things that made who he was from a technical standpoint, but also the memory his brain was always working so fast, could capture things almost like a photographic memory. And just listening to him recount 20-ish years later about while doing two, and keep in mind it was a 241.4 average. <laughs> okay. That means that number yep. went above fast. and a little bit below, but he's never really doing much less than 240 miles an hour. And him talking about, you know, I wasn't so much steering the car as I was making, because it was so finely tuned and on rails, but it says, if anything, to adjust the attitude of the car, I would just change the amount of pressure with which I gripped the steering wheel. And again, my jaws just dropping, going, how? How does someone recall that with things happening that fast, that just the little minutiae? This little tiny pressure change on the steering wheel affected the trajectory of the car, which again set this ongoing record. So tell me, maybe as we wind down, Zach, kind of sticking on that topic, I know that this went without great publicity, but I do recall hearing, you know, with his most recent engagement, return to McLaren and helping you, um, and, and everyone on the F1 side in particular, that really was a great bridge. Technically, on the personnel side we already discussed, but you know if there were any lack of adequate translations between what one person was saying here to what another person was saying there, it seemed like Gilles' amazing ability to draw from that technical well, but also the interpersonal side, which is maybe the side that is needs the most spotlight put on. You think about his Deferrin Motorsports ALMS team, which was instantly competitive. Everything he did there spoke to him in assembling the right people, building the right culture, getting everyone bought in and communicating properly so success could be had. 
Tell me about that guy, because you had to probably had to stand back, Zach, a few times and say, could you please help here? Or just simply watch him as a bit of a nation builder in a highly technical sport. I, I think he is the only person I can think of where I have never heard anyone say anything negative about Gilles DeFerrin. Mm. Anywhere. Um, and even all the legends out there and even all the ones that, uh, you know, 95% of the time I hear great things about them. I've, I've just not come across anyone who doesn't like Jules DeFerrin. And so that was very much how the McLaren organization felt about him. And so he was able to get people to collaborate, communicate, open their thinking, trust them and, and and everybody from from senior management to to the mechanics to the drivers, he just built trust and confidence. And he he it was funny. He he as a racer, he was emotional. He hated to to lose. So you know, he definitely if we didn't have a good day at the racetrack, you know, his fist would be hitting the the desk. So he wasn't. But he was calm even. When he was emotional, he was calm, and you could trust him. And, and he just got people along for the journey. When we brought Pat Fry back, he played a huge role in that. And if I look at our win in 2021, and a lot of people understand the lead time to Formula One, but a lot of people don't, you know, our 2021 success was really 2019 because 2019 was when you develop your 2020 car and in 2019 I had Pat Fry, Jules DeFerrin, Pete Pedromo, Andrea Stella kind of leading the charge. They designed the car in 19, which is what comes out in 20, 20 we're, we're back on the podium. Then when COVID hits, all that we did between 20 and 21 was put a Mercedes in the back of the car. The 21 car was the same as the 20 car, which was done in 19. We go on to win races in 21. Jill's moved out of the organization. The people that get the credit in 21 for winning, actually, that was 2019. Mm. Then you come back and you look at our success the second half of this year. When did we bring Jill back? Mm. End of 22, early 23. And when did our car get good again? The middle of 23. So not a coincidence that Jules was there for our resurgence in 2019. And 2023, he was there when those cars and those people were coming together to develop the on-track product. 21 happened in 2019 on Jill's watch. And, and that's something I think because he wasn't on pit wall in 21 when we won, people think the people on pit wall, which of course were big contributors to it, but Gilles was behind the scenes instrumental in both of our kind of comebacks here, if you'd like. And, um, you know, I think we're now on a great journey forward and Gilles has been instrumental in that. And I can tell you the racing team, we're, we're going to celebrate Gilles and Gilles is with us. And he is a huge motivation for us moving 
forward. So we're, we're excited to go racing and we're excited to go racing with Jill because the impact Jill has had on this team is going to carry us for a long time. Amen. I know that, uh, to your exact point, Jill was not the guy in the celebratory photos, whether it was the victory or the podiums or the whatever else, but he was centrally involved in the team's resurgence. And so thank you for, uh, for drawing a finer point on that, Zach. Let's close on this, brother. I've been asking this of, of everybody you've been speaking with. What kind of impact did he have on you? What things are you taking, have you taken, already implemented from knowing Gilles, be it as a friend, as a colleague? It, it's the tough question that uh, you never want to have to ask. But knowing that he's no longer with us, we're in that point of reflection where you go, I know all the ways that he impacted me on a personal and professional level, Zach, and they were many. How about for you? I, I think, you know, the, there's the personal and the professional side. Uh, I think when something like this happens, I think we all reflect because you, you, you rarely get, you know, this was so sudden, uh, such a shock that, you know, personally it, it kind of makes you want to hug your family, your friends, you know, make sure you're being as healthy as you can be because you, you just, don't know when something tragic could happen and whether it's a, an illness or a racing accident. So I, I think it clearly has that impact on you on a personal level. It shakes you up uh, on the professional level. You know, the team is, is devastated, but we're going to rally around Jill. You know, we've just changed all our social media channels to honor Jill this week. We have some really exciting stuff that we're going to do to make sure Jill's along racing with us uh, this year as, as he would be. So, you know, on a personal level, it, it kind of wakes you up. And then on a professional level, it's, it's going to motivate us. We want to win for Jill and our next win is Jill's next win. And, and we couldn't be more excited to do that together. So we really want to harness, the energy he brought us, uh, the racer in him. There's nothing he loved more than being part of our success. And so we, we owe it to him and ourselves uh, to carry on that, that journey. And as Andrea said this morning on one of our channels with the technical team, we're going racing with one guy who's going to be looking down on us from the sky. And uh, that motivates us. Amen. Thank you, brother. Really do appreciate you uh, taking some time here. Um, and great stuff. Great, My great pleasure. stuff, man. <sighs> need a little bit of <laughs> time to breathe. Tired, yeah. tired of for uh, everybody. Sure. Everybody just being in a state of grief. It seems like we've been in that yeah. place for a couple of years now, losing a lot of folks who meant a lot to us. So I'm hoping we get uh, a chance to breathe here. And yeah. There we go. Exactly. Well, I'm, gl I'm glad you're doing this piece, and I'm glad to see everyone. I mean, it's 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 everywhere. So I'm 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 glad to see he's getting the recognition that he deserves. Thanks once again to Zach for taking some time to tell more stories about Gilles. Let it be known how integral of a figure he was to McLaren's 
rise in recent years, getting closer to the place it once held the top of the Formula One pile. Get a chance, pay a visit to marshallpruittpodcast.com. More than 1,400 episodes they are cataloged for your listening enjoyment. Getting ready to post more of these remembrances here. Thank you once again for listening.